0: I was a little bit of a mess as a teenager.
1: Hey, I'm Mike Hippel, and welcome to another episode of Live Through That, the companion podcast to my book of the same name. The book is a collection of portraits and in depth interviews with some of my favorite 90s musicians. On this podcast, we'll use each episode to delve deeper into a single pivotal moment in the life of one of the artists from the book, as well as hear some of the things that they're currently in love with. Today, we're talking to the talented Tracy Bonham. In the 90s, she scored a big hit with Mother Mother, a song that was maybe inspired by Tracy's youthful, rebellious spirit, which she talks about in today's episode. They say youth is wasted on the young, but sometimes it's just part of the path we need to go down to become the people we grow up to be.
0: I have a a very pivotal moment for me in my musical life and in my personal life where I was 16 years old, and mind you, I was a very rebellious 16-year-old. I um, was disciplined in that I studied music and I practiced a lot, but (laughs) I was 16 and um, I rebelled. I had been, you know, smoking cigarettes clove cigarettes, starting a little bit to dabble into, uh, you know, minor drugs, maybe some marijuana, drinking, you know, partying and getting just mixed up in the wrong crowds. I was a people pleaser and I was always trying to fit into all the groups, which worked for me in some ways um, socially, but I, I was a little bit of a mess as a teenager. Well,
1: you were sneaky once in a while. That's Tracy's mom, Lee Robertson.
0: You weren't uh, where you were supposed to be and you'd you know, end up f- finding some kid that you liked and hanging out with them. Uh, yeah, you were uh, a handful at times. But on the other side, you were very, very musical and did all kinds of wonderful things. And
1: I was so proud of you with playing your violins and practicing so hard and trying to do everything right with the junior orchestra.
0: Uh, but yeah, once in a while you would slip off the edge and do dumb things. Uh, it's not easy being a teenager. But music was always my my place uh, to to ground and to feel centered. And so this experience that I had was when I, traveled up from my hometown of Eugene, Oregon. And I went with a bunch of um, really highly qualified string players because I was playing violin. I had been playing violin since the age of nine. And just to back up a little bit, I had also been uh, playing classical piano since the age of, I think, seven. And I'd been singing. And so I, I knew that music was going to be my career choice. And it was really my life. It was my whole way of communicating with the world. But I I was on this uh, trip up to um, Seattle with these chosen uh, string players, and we had all auditioned, and we were going to perform or rehearse and perform as the All Northwest Symphony Orchestra. So it was a very big deal. I was 16. I felt so proud. Um, And, you know, I was sitting in the middle of the symphony orchestra in the second violin section. And we had prepared a piece called um, Enigma Variations. And it was written by Edvard Elgar. And one movement in particular was called Nimrod. And it's the most beautiful piece I've ever heard, probably to this day. And I remember my 16-year-old self, you know, probably wearing an army jacket with you know, safety pins everywhere and sex pistols t-shirt and, you know, uh, sitting there in this wash of sound, beautiful sound that just took me over and made me stop and realize that I was a part of something bigger than me. And although it could have just been a moment in time where I just like went on, it was a very small moment, but it was huge for me. And I will always go back to this moment because it kind of woke me up from my 16-year-old whatever, you know, all of that stuff that you think about when you're 16, whether it's, you know, relationships and, you know, getting in trouble fitting in or whatever. And I just stopped and I became connected <laughs> with the universe <laughs> through music and sound. And I, it was just this out of body experience. So whenever now, when I teach, I started teaching uh, music to you know young and old, but I really, I try to go back to that moment almost as a meditation. And I try to share that with other people because I think that It's so easy for a musician to study and be disciplined and do all the right things and, you know, practice, which is all great. But if you don't have that moment of pure joy or pure connection and also realizing you're a part of something bigger, you know, you can practice at home in your bedroom all day long and that's fine and it can feel wonderful. But when you then join with other people and you now are making one sound – i find that it can be hopefully life changing for others especially for young people nowadays i think they're everyone's you know more isolated than ever and i just really try to encourage that feeling of connection to yourself and then to others and to the world around so that will always be a moment where i i go back and i i try to um, share that with with young people especially
1: tracy's newest album is young maestro's volume one an album geared towards children and families she's also busy doing some shows when she can and raising her own family and with that here are some of the things that are inspiring
0: tracy these days have this necklace my best friend Tiffany gave to me. She lives in San Francisco, and I was touring the West Coast, and we had been spending time together during my visit with her, and it was one of those magical times. We were walking on the beach. We were talking a lot about <laughs> crows, and I'm, I've am i just recently fallen in love with the, the crow, um, not only because it's you know, just the way it looks, it's kind of majestic and big, but the way it sounds can be perceived as maybe ugly to some people. But I like the the idea of like listening differently and saying, "Wow, that's a beautiful sound." And it goes back into a story that I'm currently writing, where there's a storybook character, um, and this this musical storybook is somewhat like a Peter and the Wolf kind of thing, where I'm writing music that is intertwined with the story and every character has a musical fundamental. So one of the main characters, I guess he's the protagonist, is Joe the Crow. And Joe the Crow went through life believing he could only sing one note. So he had a really sad life, you know, and and the, the funny story is, you know, he tells a story of his teacher who was really mean, who said he had only one note, couldn't sing, So he goes through his life as sad, one-note Joe, the songless crow. He becomes king of the crows. He outlaws music. He builds a, a fortress. It's called the Wall of No. And he goes through his life, you know, just completely miserable until he meets the antagonist uh, Topsy Bonsai (laughs) who shows him that he has more than one note. He can sing more than one note. And then he becomes this, you know, he's transformed into Joe the Crow. So when my friend Tiffany and I were walking the beach and talking about this and how it relates to our life and how it relates to, you know, growing up feeling limitations that are imposed upon you as young people, For me as a young woman, I felt like I had to, you know, be seen and not heard, you know, that old adage and be, you know, polite or at least, you know, try to be um, and also mute your own voice. So we talk a lot about this. And so we went back to her uh, house and we were having a wonderful lunch and she just went up to her dressing room and she brought down this necklace and it's a, a crow feather and it's so beautiful. And if she put it on me and she said, let this crow feather be right next to your heart, it'll be like a light as a feather next to your heart. And so I keep this necklace on me at all times. And whenever I think of Tiffany, I kind of rub the necklace and it just gives me a really good feeling. Number two, and this is not in any particular order of importance, uh, but is my son, <laughs> Selman, um, My son Selman is 10 years old and we adopted Selman from Ethiopia and we brought him home and he was 14 months. Um, It was a long, long, arduous process of adopting. Um, And he had actually, we had left him, we had to go meet him and then we had to come home and then it was supposed to be that we would go right back to get him, but something happened with his case and it took, mm, gosh... Another 10 months, I think. So, anyway, um, I had written so many songs about him before meeting him. There's songs on my albums from uh, 2000 and, uh, gosh, 2010. That was the year he was born, all about what would it be like bringing home a child and what is it going to feel like when we bring him home. And I had assumed there'd be so much, uh, sorry, sadness. And we'd have to really grapple with sadness, and so it became a part of my creative tapestry. You know, this this dream of of bringing home uh, a child and and nurturing him and and allowing him to flourish. Um, and so he is everything. He is flourishing. He is also complicated, and there's a lot of challenges. And I know parents have challenges no matter what whether it's a biological child or whether it's adoption so i'm not discrediting anybody's uh, experience but for us you know it's been it's been really eye opening and not what we expected so <clears throat> it taught me so much about how you think things are going to go a certain way and i was writing songs about you know black tears black tears thinking it would be like this sad story, but it wasn't, he's not a sad person. So that was amazing. It is amazing to see him. He's singing. He wakes up singing. He's uh, silly. He's uh, jovial and very funny and edgy. But the challenge that I'm finding and I'm learning from is more anger. And gosh, I've never had anger before. (laughs) Uh, So with it's helping me look at anger and challenges in parenting, and allowing him to have anger—that's a hard one as a mom. Actually, just allowing him to feel it instead of trying to change it. So, I—I just—I could go on for hours and days about uh, parenting um, our son Selman and how valuable it is to me. But you know, not only is he the love of my life. Um, and I'm so honored to to have become his mother. I find that the biggest lesson that Selman has brought me is like leaning into that challenge and not being afraid of the darkness or the scary stuff. It's like you just lean in and you look at everything. And I'm trying to teach this to him, but of course he's still 10. But uh, looking at the opportunities in those challenges and those hard times and hard discussions and, uh, you know, things that, that come up, look at them as lessons and opportunities for growth. And, and while it's not easy, it's never easy. Try to look at it as like, yeah, wow. Let's, let's look at this with curiosity. I'm not saying I'm good at this, (laughs) but that is my, um, my goal to try to aspire to be that And that is why I chose him. Number three, I have this book that I recently discovered, probably in the last two years. It's called Effortless Mastery. And it's written by a musician named Kenny Werner. And it's just something that I take with me wherever. And you can just do that thing where you flip through and you point your finger on something and you read a random passage. And it's just so incredible. So it's not just about... um, Music, Like he, he writes about how to connect very much like my story when I was 16 and I felt this, you know, power and connection. He uh, writes about um, how to, not only how to practice as a musician or anything, not even just musician, but an athlete or how to become better at whatever, cooking, whatever your, um, your mode of you know, interest is or, or what you want to be an expert on. Um, he talks about how to be centered and how to really be focused and use attention and awareness as your, um, kind of your foundation, of course. Um, a lot of musicians might not even think about it. You know, I don't think I really, well, not often do I think about it. Um, he talks about, there's a chapter called, uh, I think it's called Practicing Fear with Fear. And I just realized this last night, I actually thought about it. I was sitting down to the piano to practice for my upcoming gig. And I realized, wow, I'm always practicing with this worry or fear or rushedness, you know, like I got to get this done. And because I have all these other things to do. And it doesn't help me be in the moment or even get any better, it doesn't help me improve. And when I noticed that I was actually noticing a difference in in my experience last night when I was practicing, I was thinking, wow, I'm actually taking time, kind of like back when I was younger and I was fully immersed in music, whether I was going to music school or, you know, my life wasn't as complicated. I was, you know, a teenager really immersing myself in music taking the time to let my fingers and my mind slow down i i there was some expansiveness that was happening last night that i have not experienced for a very long time like decades so back to this book effortless effortless mastery it talks all about that and um even fear-based listening, you know, like how often are we listening to someone, but we're already thinking about what could come next or what we're going to say next. And, you know, there's just so much to learn from this book and from this musician who seems to be a master, not only at music, but um, just at life. So I'm very happy to have this effortless mastery by Kenny Werner.
1: Be sure to also check out my book, Live Through That, available everywhere on October 19th to find out more about what Tracy and 42 other 90s musicians are up to these days. Head over to my website at hipphoto.com for a list of retailers. That's H-I-P-P-H-O-T-O O.com, Or just buy wherever you buy your books. And if you like this show, please subscribe, share, and tell your friends. We'll have new episodes out every Tuesday this fall. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.